Hey yo, today we are talking about something that I wrote yesterday and it just hit hard. Um, so I wanted to bring it here and kind of further the exploration of that talk. All right, let's go. Welcome to season three. Um, I would love to tell you that season three is full of so many twists and turns and craziness that's going to come in. And honestly, it could be. But this podcast is my own personal journal of escaping from what I deemed a life that wasn't really fit for me. And that started in season one, rooted in the fact that my dream had died and I didn't know what my goals were in life anymore. And as we've walked through the valley of what that looks like and everything encompassing, we've been recording. And so I'm excited to be going into season three. I don't know what's in store for us, but I can tell you that from season one to now, every day feels a little bit better and a lot more aligned. So I'm excited that you're here. If you're just finding this today in season three, um, you can go back and find all the past episodes. I started at around the age of 30 recording this podcast um, every weekday, working through this really painful point in my life. And we're just starting into season three. And I'm excited to see where we get. It's a whole lot of entrepreneur, creative vibes that are going out into this world. And the more that I get to experience that, the better that I feel. So gear up, load up, and let's all go out and change the world. However, that looks for us. But more than anything, let's forgive ourselves for our dream dying and start getting back to rebuilding after that. Hey, oh, friends. Great to see you. Great to see you. Excited to be here on this show. Um, I can't the inner workings of what this has become. And this is my great thing. I, I could always see a vision, but like imagine a half vision where you only see bits and pieces of the puzzle or like parts of the picture are still blurry and you can't quite pick out exactly what it's supposed to be. That's that's where I started. And I always knew that it was going to be this computer that followed me around. And this computer would be just littered with stickers of experiences that we've had over this time. And so I was reflecting back and looking at sort of my original pictures, which only had like one sticker. And that sticker was my podcast. And that really was the original starting point. 
It was whatever I could make and the expansion of that work and the amount of people that I've been able to meet as a result of creating this platform and going with even the bits and pieces that I could see and making assumptions that that was the direction that we were supposed to go. I am so grateful that we're in this place now. I am so grateful for all of the stickers that are on the front of this computer because looking at the photos compared to where we started to where we are now, it's, it's mind-blowing, as you could imagine, I'm sure. But like, this life, our ability to create realities that we could only see parts of, that most pieces were blurry, but if we could pick out even one thing, right? Like one of the most consistent visions of all of this is me doing a book signing <laughs> and me in an airport with my feet up on my suitcase, like working on something. I don't even know what that something is, but like there's travel in there with all of this. And I tried to make that fit the life I was living before. And it just didn't fit there. We couldn't get there, no matter how hard I tried. And so we had to step out on parts of the vision that we couldn't even begin to understand. And I always knew that it would be a laptop littered in stickers of experiences, of places that we've traveled, of people that we've met, of stories that we've been impacted by. All of these things, all of these stickers, all of these beautiful, amazing pieces. And I... I think about how grateful I am for the amount of things that I've experienced. And I'm further grateful that I set out on this journey, not knowing where it would end up, not knowing if it would lead to any stickers at all, but still being willing to go. And some of those stickers I had to make myself and some of those stickers I had to claw and fight my way to, and some of them happened by chance. Some of them had to happen. Bananas and pajama sticker. Hello. It has to be there, right? It's got to be a part of this. And you can't get to the unblurry vision without just stepping out in the blurred instance sometimes. And I knew that someday I'd have a laptop full of stickers and experiences and people and movements. And I didn't know how I would get there, but I knew that I could. And now, standing here with a laptop almost completely littered in stickers, I am eternally grateful. I am also not knowing where we go from here. Will we have to get a new laptop cover because we get so littered with stickers? Will we just continue to pile on and pile on and pile on? And I don't know. And I think that that's the most beautiful part. I don't know. Neither do you. 
neither do we. It's all sort of up in the air and unknown at this point, but it's beautiful and it is worth exploring. And I'm so happy to have stepped out in the blurriness and made things appear. You know how when you're driving through fog and you try to turn on your brights and then you try to turn on your fog lights if you're fancy enough to have those and nothing's really working. And eventually you realize that these are all just distractions. Nothing's actually helping you to see better. And your only job becomes staring at the lines that you can see. Because it's the only thing that you can see. And eventually you just give up on trying to make way or make any kind of sense of the fog. And you just start paying attention to the lines. The lines are your truth. And that's how this vision felt. The laptop is the truth. The one sticker right now is the truth. That's what I can see. And I'm going to just keep following what I can see. And so the fact that the laptop <laughs> started with my sticker is extremely metaphoric and full circle because Sometimes the only thing that you're capable of seeing is yourself. And if you can keep making your way forward and you can make that a consistent line and keep following it, no matter how long you're in the fog, you can always see those lines. That's where we have to stay. Stay true to those lines. Stay true to just the one sticker. And... You know, I think a lot of us just get lost, and I certainly did in the beginning of like, no, it's supposed to be a whole laptop full of stickers. I don't think you quite understand. This one sticker isn't really doing it for me. We better go just buy a bunch of stickers. And I just said, hold tight. The stickers are coming. The experiences, the realizations, all of the things that you want that you can see are coming. Just keep seeing what you can see, even when it's just the one sticker, even when it's just the laptop that you made happen yourself, even when it's just the podcast that you made happen yourself, you can't understand when the fog is going to lift. And so it's always worth just continuing to move forward, no matter how slowly and trust there are going to be pieces that require a slower pace, and you're going to be so grateful that you went as slow as you did because of how all the things unfold over time, because of the clearing after the fog, you can do this. And I'm grateful that I can do this, that I get to keep showing up to do this, and I'm grateful for all of the people and the things and the stickers and the movements and the places that I have seen as a result of this work. And I wouldn't even say that this work sent me on those things. This work created a freedom, a non-scarce mindset that allowed me to explore those things in a way that I could actually let them in and fully experience them. So that's my great thing. Stickers, y'all. <laughs> um, go ahead and crown yourself in 
all of your ooey gooey greatness. You're so amazing. It's important that we start establishing that because this is sort of the belief that all trust and further exploration are contingent upon. I'm sort of obsessed with this idea, but how does one create an instance where they trust themselves? Because this path forward, this dream path requires your participation. And in order to get you to participate, we have to get to the place where you are actually trusting that you know what you are doing. Got it? Okay. Today, I want to discuss this and I penned this yesterday and it hurt my feelings because it was so true and so amazing. And so I was like, you know what, we should probably talk about that more because it is worth exploring. So when I go out and talk on the first book, I openly talk about my experience sort of spinning through life for three years, not understanding what I was supposed to do, asking a bunch of people who I thought would tell me what to do, and then going out and experimenting and always finding myself back at the same place where I was rhythmic and spinning and spiteful and hateful and becoming this person that I just really didn't even recognize at this point. And all of these people were telling me all of these things and it was all great, except for it wasn't and it didn't fit and it didn't work. And I really, truly tried all the things. I tried the volunteering. I tried filling my schedule. I tried focusing on my children. I tried doing things that filled my bucket. I tried all of these things and none of them seemed to work or seemed to cure this ache, this ache in understanding that there was something more that I was supposed to do here. And I couldn't even begin to understand what that was. I couldn't begin to understand what it was saying. I just knew there was sort of this guiding voice that said, change lives. I don't know how you do that. Please shut up, you voice. And then I would go ask people who should know the answers to these questions. And after three years of experimenting, I began to ask myself. And I began to come up with my own solutions. And when I tested those things and those wouldn't work either, I found myself in a knockdown, drag out, lowest point of my life. And when I say that, I mean to say that this is not a low point that many people experience. Many people's experiences of lowness are much lower than mine. But I want to talk about that because just because mine hadn't gone off the deep end and then fell again and then fell one more time and found itself struggling and suffering and considering AA or considering drug dependency courses didn't mean that I wasn't worth saving. I needed to save myself before I stumbled into all those places. And that's exactly where I was headed. And so that brought me directly to my doctor's office because after trialing and trying all of these things and fully committing to all of the solutions that someone had given me, nothing worked. And so I sat myself in a doctor's office found myself hoping that I would have some sort of diagnosis that led me down the path of certain need for further testing. And I got the opposite response. I got a sort of, sort of hilarious chuckle at my circumstance. And the doctor would turn, she'd look at me and she would say, how, how old are you? And I would say, mom, 30 or 
30, almost 30. I think it was actually 29. And how old are your kids, she would say. And I said, well, they're two and five. And then she just laughed and laughed and laughed and thought it was the funniest thing that I had ever said. And she looked at me and she's like, oh my gosh, so many people experience this, especially mothers, especially mothers at your age. You really have nothing to be concerned about. I have a solution. And I was like, no, I'm certain (laughs) that this is not normal. And in fact, if you're telling me that this is normal, I'm very concerned. Because I've tried, I've tried, I tried drinking when I got home. I tried, I tried curbing this and I just can't, nothing seems to fix it. It's always coming back up. I don't understand. She's like, listen, we're just going to prescribe this for you. It'll definitely take the edge off of when you're experiencing these things. A lot of women your age have these hormonal things going on, have a lot going on with children and careers, and you're not alone. And I'll just write you up this prescription. And anytime that you're feeling this way, just pop the pill. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. And I remember just looking at her kind of with like a eyebrow up in the air. Like, there are more people suffering with this and this is the answer? To just shut it up? What if it comes back up? And I don't say these things to her, but I say, yeah, just hold. I need to think about it. And I walk out without a prescription in hand though you don't walk out with prescriptions in hand. So that's not a great way to explain that. But I walk out having not filled that prescription. And I just remember thinking and being extremely concerned that so many people are experiencing this, that it's normal, almost to the point where she laughed me out of the doctor's office. And our only fix for this is to mask that it's happening. How is this different from what I tried before? Because all of the recommendations that people had made to me were like, fill your schedule a little bit more full, try to do things that you actually find exciting versus having your entire life being exciting. Just try to fill gaps with things you actually enjoy to make up for all of the things that you don't enjoy. Try focusing on your kids more. Try... Filling your bucket more with volunteer opportunities. Just stay more busy. You just have too much time to think about it. And, or drink more, or hang out more with friends, or gossip more, or take on more, or maybe start a little side hustle, but basically all narrowing down to this idea that if you don't want to numb in normal ways, then norm, the norm is to fill up your schedule so that you just don't notice. Work out more, set higher goals, do more, get more addicted to work, add more to your plate. And I realized that these were all great solutions that furthered me down the path of numbing, of not really existing. And I love that the doctor had this solution, but in my mind, 
I realized that it was no different from anything that I had just practiced the last three years. And I talk about this because obviously we need prescriptions to get through moments, right? But I don't know that that would have helped me. I think that it would have helped me through the next couple of years, but eventually the effects would have wore off. We would have had to increase the dosing because eventually I would have felt this all again, the same way I did after I tried all those other things. And I would have ended up in the same instance and we would have increased the dose and I would have started feeling less and less. And over time, I would have felt less and less and less and less and less and I would have existed less. And this is all in my mind. And there are definitely people in situations that require prescriptions, that require the lessening of those feelings in order to exist. But mine didn't feel like that. Mine felt like an importance to exist, to feel. And some people need that. But I felt like I needed to feel this. I felt like I needed to experience this. And I'm not an anti-medication person. I am a pro-feel person. Because those feelings are there. And there's an interesting documentary on a psychologist that I follow really closely, um, Johari, and he talks about this too, about how drugs are the result of us not having a way to cope, are a result of not understanding the root of depression, of anxiety, of all of these things. And we can't understand it because we just mask it. And so we don't ever look at the cause because we can't really feel it anymore. We just fix it right away. And there are always ways to fix it, except for those ways become more and more extreme. And this is what leads to extreme addiction. And this is what leads to alcoholism. And this is what leads to dependency on medications. And I believe in what he's saying in this idea that at some point we have to look at the root. And everything that I've done up until this point was to go back and look at where those voices are coming from. Look at what the things are being stemmed from. Because what I find is most of it's superficial. Most of it is unfitting. And most of it is no longer in control of me. And they come back up, but since I know what they are, I know what their root is, I know how they speak to me, they're pretty easy to just jump back down. And this doesn't work for everyone, but in my mind, this is what was important. We had to find where those things were coming from. And so yesterday I penned this. I want to be welcomed and celebrated instead of shamed and medicated. And that's really where I was. Now, 
almost four years ago. I was in this place where everyone was just telling me that there was something wrong with me and the way that I was approaching this and that it couldn't be that the world was wrong or society was wrong or the norms that had been pushed on me were wrong. It had to be that something was broken within me. That I should start looking at myself instead of the world. That I should start questioning all of those things instead of I should question myself instead of all of those things. And while some of that is true, I want us to work out of this place where we're shaming ourselves, where we're saying that we're the problem. It's okay to question the world and the way that it works and the places that you've ended up. And I didn't ever get the impression that that was okay. I was raised in a society where you sucked it up, where you just worked hard and you found a way to be optimistic about it. And you didn't cry baby yourself to the place where you create an entire platform around your problems. You just sucked it up. You drank more after work. You worked hard and you found a way to numb everything because life is meant to be miserable. That's where I was raised. And I wanted to question that. I wanted to ask, like, is it? Do we have to live a life where we're so anxiously dependent on prescription medications? Do I have to live a life where my work forces me to drink every night? Do I have to? Does life have to be this miserable? Did I really sign up for this? And those would be the questions that I would continue to ask. And I would ask myself, and I would ask the world, and the world would say, just shut up. Yes, this is what we all do. Yes, this is how we all cope. Come with us. Stop being such a baby. Life sucks, and then you die. Sign up for it. And I couldn't help but ask the question, and I couldn't help but not take the prescription, and I couldn't help but not fuel and find what was pushing me to this place. I couldn't help it. I wanted to. I wanted to just be like, you know what? We're good. Let's just do those things. Let's stay in this place and let's just spin out of control every once in a while and then up our dose. And for people who have found a way to balance themselves in that way, please continue. But that was not a path that was going to work for me because I realized that true to my story and not true to anyone else's, that I had to feel my way through this. And every option that was being given to me as something to heal this was saying, don't feel. Ignore, 
run and act like this doesn't exist. And if you head in the wrong direction or you fail or you whatever your way into a new existence, just stay committed to the fact that life is supposed to be miserable and you aren't supposed to enjoy it all that much. And if you get to a place where you do start enjoying it, you've probably become one of the selfish or select few who slept their way to the top or who didn't work all that hard but somehow got lucky, that would be you if you made your way there, if you made your way to a life that you enjoy. That's not possible for people like me, for people like this middle class Midwest. This is what we sign up for. It is supposed to be sort of sucky. It is supposed to be lined with bush lights and antidepressants. You're not right for questioning that. And there were breaking moments where I thought that I would actually need that in order to survive this movement, in order to survive this. And that was when I remember leaning into spirituality to find my way through that. Because a lot of us practice religion, but not spirituality. And I would say I never knew how much I needed that guidance until I actually needed that guidance. And that moment really changed everything because we actually started tapping into things, strategies, and ideas that could help expand, help cope without masking, help understand even more about myself than things I had explored at the beginning of this work. And you can't really, I don't know that you can understand spirituality until you come to a place where you need it to survive. And, you know, like maybe we're approaching it all wrong, telling people that they need it to survive before they actually encounter something where it is needed to find your way through the darkness. You know, maybe we're just explaining it wrong. But I think all things to say, we just have to keep demanding spaces where we are encouraged and celebrated and loved and we're not told to back into a corner and to dumb it down and to be less where we're told to expand even more to be even more of what we are and we need to be in places where we are celebrated and maybe we aren't celebrated by everyone because some people come on but also in spaces where we don't have to be medicated or numbed or any of the 
things that we're told we need in order to survive life. And maybe some people do need those methods for survival. But if we can feel our way through this and then find something to lean on to survive those moments of darkness, we can get back to the light. We really can. And this isn't just me. This There are psychologists investigating this and better understanding this numbing principle and this idea that we are not coping in the right manner, that we have to feel things. As always, you're smart, you're strong, you're beautiful. What are you going to do? Change the world. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you're still here, go ahead and check us me, it's just me, out on <laughs> all of our socials. I post every day, uh, post with some inspirational, I don't know, quotes and movements, um, definitely on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at The Death of a Dream, also on LinkedIn, but I think that's just me. It's just Hannah Ness. Um, but you can check out kind of some daily encouragement to go down, chase your dreams, and live your best life. You can always check back here in the show notes for anything that we might have talked about at some point in the show, anything that I'm creating at this given point. I won't necessarily talk about it on the podcast every single day, but you can always find what I'm working on in the show notes. So thank you so much for listening. You, all of you, whether you listen to one episode, five minutes or five seconds, make a difference to me. And I couldn't be here doing this work if no one listened at all. So every person over one is just a bonus. And I feel extremely grateful to be a part of your day.